Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of I Need Friends, a podcast about whatever. Um, got another video episode for you today and my first interview with Sasha. Thanks Hello. for being here with me. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to have you on. You've just written a book. Uh, you're an artist. You're really into philosophy. I think that's really cool. Um, Thank you. Tell me a little bit about your book before we get into anything else. Sure. Yeah. So my background's in philosophy. I went to grad school for it. Uh, couldn't really find a lot to apply my degree to. So I was like, you know what? Let's start <laughs> with philosophy. <laughs> right. It's hard out here. Um, but yeah, so I like to blend philosophy and art. I like to create portraits specifically that tell a story or entice the viewer in some kind of way. Um, and I call my company Surface by Sasha because my whole project or what I love so much is creating surfaces for other people to figure out like, what does this mean to me? So it's not like a preachy type of thing, um, even though there is a story and a meaning behind everything, but uh, I just want to connect with people. So when I saw your podcast and it's literally called, I need friends, I was like, same, <laughs> just, just link up. You're like, so, we'll be friends. We'll be friends. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah. I, I saw that, like, I first saw your paintings. And I can't remember if you started following me first or I started following you. And, but either way, as soon as I saw your paintings, I was like, oh, my God, I'm following this girl. I, yeah, <laughs> um, I really love art and I'm not good at it. I get all these ideas in my head of like things to draw. And it's just like you can do it. Mm, you say that, but I've tried <laughs> I got you anytime. Like one thing I learned is that there's so much is just basic shapes put together. And like all we usually see is the final piece. So we're like, oh my God, I don't even know where to start. When you break it down, it's just like anything else, like writing a sentence, drawing a stick figure, you just elaborate on it. So yeah, like Zoom, we can just do drawings together. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some art classes. Yeah. yeah. See, it's really, it's the basic shapes that I have the most trouble with. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe. <laughs> yeah. There are rulers, protractors, compasses, like technology. Yeah, see, I'd rather just get a few different colors and do like an abstract where it's like, you know, it's not so aimless. Like I don't like, you know, I don't like it when people just kind of throw something together or slap something on and then it happens to look good and they're like, oh, look what I did. It's like, I feel like you need to have like some kind of purpose and like that's a hot take that's actually because right. in the art world there's spontaneous art and a lot of abstract art is just feeling it out or being in the moment um and then there are other people like me who need like five three to five months to like grid everything <laughs> um but i'm not with you like i need the intent i want to know why you started this and like what you're trying if you see a canvas as a bridge what are you trying to bridge between people like I get the argument for spontaneous art, but I gravitate towards like, this is a long-term project and intention and feeling. I'm like, oh yeah. And I think like, you know, obviously it, it is about your intention and <clears throat> intention and like what you're trying to evoke with your art, you know? So I guess if you look at some spontaneous art, like if you're talking about someone who does abstract paintings and they're just kind of feeling the moment, you know, maybe they were feeling really angry and this was the way that they wanted yeah. to express that emotion, you know, and I'm able to see that through the, the picture or I can feel at least something, you know, yeah. from it instead of just being like, 
oh, that looks cool because there is some art and it depends on the person too, that doesn't necessarily evoke any emotion. It's just kind of like, okay, that's cool. Like, so I'm fine with that, but I just, I really appreciate like art that has more like depth to it. And so like, you know, with your art, how so many of your paintings that you're doing right now are based on and of the characters in your story. I just, let me just point to my little, yeah, the tower of Theo. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that has been the craziest journey ever because I realized there's so many parallels between writing and painting that I never knew. And it's crazy because I've been drawing my whole life. Like I only recently started painting, um, but I've been drawing and writing my whole life. And it's only in this stage of life that I'm like, it's basically the same thing. Like words are paint and paint are words and it's all just for storytelling. So yeah, bringing the characters to life. But it was weird because at first I was like, should I not do this? Because the reader should be able to interpret the character however they want to. And is this kind of like me forcing an image onto somebody? Well, you can do that. It's your story, right? I mean, if... <laughs> but I don't know. Like, does that? Because I was thinking like with Harry Potter, I started reading it once the movies came out, even though I didn't see the movies. So Daniel Radcliffe mm-hmm. has been Harry Potter for me. Like Same, same for me. But... I'm okay with that though. I don't feel like, you know, like, okay, I really liked the first three Twilight books, not the last one. And I, (laughs) I wasn't really into the movies just cause like, right there with you. (laughs) Like, yeah, romance isn't like really my thing. So it's like, it's fine in a story. It's a lot different when you're reading about it in a book versus like watching it on screen. So like I had this very vivid image of who Bella was and who Edward was and how they were. And then I actually, I really like Kristen Stewart as an actress, but in that, oh God. And it just wasn't what I had pictured and it just shattered like the story. But like, so And if you go back and look, there is a a very vague description of Bella. You know, it's, it's, she, she keeps it like almost intentionally vague to where any girl that kind of looks like me that has brown hair and like light skin, like, bam, you could be Bella. So I don't know. I, I, I like when, um, I like being able to create my own imagery, but I also really like when I know that the author you know, like we said, has purpose and intention. It's like, I know that you know what you're doing with this story because you're able to show me so much of it. And that's, yeah, with the the Twilight, just a quick comment on it. (laughs) And I remember going on like family vacation and everyone was by the pool and I was with New Moon, like this thick 600 page book as like a 10 year old, 12 year old, whatever. (laughs) like no one talk to me and don't get the book wet like I need to find out what happens to Bella and then I don't personally like Kristen Stewart no shade at all but I just loved Bella so much and I felt like it wasn't I didn't picture her Mm -hmm. that way and so I can't watch Mm -hmm. but um, oh yeah go ahead oh no you keep going you were you were saying something (laughs) I I think the only thing like with the book and the fact that the canvases are two dimensional and I don't have the tech to like animate. Cause I know that's a thing. I know like with technology, you could draw it in 3d and like make the characters like a Sims thing. I don't have that capacity 
in any way, shape, or form. So I feel like a two-dimensional representation of the character isn't too intrusive and it's just engaging enough. Yeah, I I think so. And like, I I also like that the paintings were really, your colors are very vibrant and rich. It's like, there's just a lot of depth to it. And it makes me feel like that your story, The Tower of Theo, is going to have like just as much depth and just layers. And then I was watching, um, I, I think you posted this like a little while back where you had sent the book cover yeah. to your friends. God, yeah. And I thought that was like so cool. And then the tower that you have drawn, it's like all these things are just kind of interwoven. And I was like, there's the layers, there's the depth, like it's going to be in this story. <laughs> It's so, the book cover reveal, so the story begins, and this isn't a spoiler at all, but the story begins like most gothic novels where it's like a friend that you haven't heard from in so long sends you a letter mm-hmm. because the night. Um, kind so, of mysterious. <laughs> mysterious, yeah, I don't know what you've done for two decades. And so I was, this whole marketing, everything that I did with marketing, I thought to myself, how do I bring the book to life? Because the main theme in the book is that the art comes to life. And I love like mirroring as much as I possibly can. Like, yeah. it's like pause, just relax. Yeah. Everything needs to be mirrored. Um, so the book cover, I was like, what if my friends don't know what the cover looks like and they get the book cover in the mail and they have to like open it. And it was, I was just expecting them to be like, oh, this is so cool. And then I got certain comments that were just like, like my best friend of over 10 years, when she said like, this is your fingerprint, this is just like you, I cried. I was like, oh my God, like, it's so cool to see I grew up with, but also people I barely know and like random nice strangers on the internet that read my book that are just like, oh, this is like perfect. And it's like the two ends of the spectrum being like, this is a good cover. Very awesome. Yes. Yes. Very validating. And like people don't understand, like people that don't create, which, you know, is fine if you're not someone that, sure. you know, expresses yourself that way. Not everyone is an artist in whatever form yeah. artists exist. Um, but what they don't seem to understand is that we need that support. We need your enthusiasm. Um, we need just that one little like comment. Like if I send like, you know, some of my writing to one of my friends, like them being excited about it just makes me feel that much better about the story. And it makes me want to work harder on it too. It's like, well, someone else can enjoy this. It's not just me. We're all going to like our own stories, right? I mean, it's our idea, so we're going to like it. But when someone else is enjoying it and connecting with it, it makes you that much more invested. And so not only are they helping you be better just by being a good supportive friend but they're also helping your work be better for them to enjoy when they hopefully (laughs) you know get your work and read it and support you so and it's crazy because I went into it so I've been working on this book for three years also like I finished grad school didn't know what to do so I started painting and writing at the same time um and I love this story like to the point where it's just like I'm so obsessed that if no one reads it I still feel like it's a great story and so when I was sharing it with people that was that was the mood I was like even if you hate it I'm so obsessed with these characters and this like the moral grayness which is my favorite thing um but then to see people of completely different backgrounds who like I said have known me in different ways all connect to different parts too was just like the most satisfying 
thing. And that thing that you said about support is so, so true because it's a very lonely feeling sometimes when you're like overwhelmed with these ideas. How do I bring yes. this amazing, vibrant, vivid image to life? And you really can't. You lose so much when you try mm-hmm. to. No one's perfect. We can't do, you know, everything to perfection. So connecting with people, especially the people that you're very close to being like, oh, wow, this is something special. There are really no words for it. Just tears, just like so many tears. Yes. Yeah. And I actually, um, you mentioned that your one friend had said something about the cover, like being your fingerprint. And that stuck out to me too. It like, it kind of like, I was like, so I just kind of like, it might be weird for you to, (laughs) to answer this question and kind of something's going on outside my door Um, (laughs) to answer this question and like maybe kind of like brag on yourself a little bit. But I was just wondering if you could like share a little bit what you think your friend meant when she said that that's your fingerprint. So she has known me shout out to Christine, my like other. Christine. (laughs) Um, She has known me through so much and has gotten me through so much. And what's crazy is I remember sending her maybe the first three chapters, and there are a lot of layers like this book, what I wanted to do with it again, same thing with my art is I have an intention, I have something I'm trying to explore. But ultimately, if I did my job, right, everyone will have a different takeaway, everyone will mm-hmm. love a different character. And it's not just like one static story. Yeah, and the best thing that I mean, Christine has done the world for me. But one of the best things is she picked up on so many symbols that I thought were just secrets for me, like no one's gonna pick up on this. No one knows <laughs> this. And she got everything in the first three chapters. And I was like, this is really like a soul friend. This is someone who knows me to my core. And uh, yeah, I'm trying not to cry. I don't know why. I just got so emotional. <laughs> so when she said even the cover is a fingerprint, it made me proud because I feel like I've always struggled being vulnerable or being like, this is really who I am. Like, I'm super nerdy. I love mm-hmm. complex things. I love like being corny, as I told you before we started. <laughs> yeah. And so for her to see the cover and she doesn't know the entire story yet and just be like, this is your fingerprint. I think that was a goal, a subconscious goal. Like I didn't even know that's what I wanted to do with this book. And hearing that from her was like, oh, I did something right in this life. Like I really, that really hit me so, so hard. I don't even think she knows this. So I hope she sees this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to send her the link when I post it. (laughs) Christine. Yes. This this is for you, Christine. Okay. (laughs) This segment is sponsored by Christine. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I just, I don't know. I I think that that's just really, really cool that like when, when you get good feedback like that, when you really expose a part of yourself, when you're putting your art out there and I think um, I would say probably because I write and I don't paint because I can't. I think that writing is maybe more vulnerable and you doing both, maybe you can agree or disagree. But like for me, when I'm sharing my writing with someone, it's like, especially like a, a, a fiction story that I've created, not just like, you know, me blogging about something or whatever. It's like an actual story. And mine have, you know, intentions and themes and purposes too. And it's usually me working through something. Um, so when I share it with someone, you're really like showing them a corner of your mind that is not on display ever. Like you're not walking around like with these stories showing, you know, it's like, here's this piece of my mind that can only get out 
on paper here. And so you're just really being like, you know. Yeah. And I have like the first or second page of the book says like all places, characters, uh, ideas are a hundred percent fiction. And if there's any relevancy, it's like pure coincidence. Like something. Yeah. Just as a disclaimer, because there's nothing that's like a hundred percent a copy of what I've been through, but anything that you write comes from you. So yeah. like no way to detach it. It's either something that you think about, something you've been through or something you don't understand. Yes. Yes. I get nervous because there are parts of the book that certain people in my life, when they read it, they're going to be like, <laughs> but it's also funny because people will be like, Oh, you must be this character. Or this is like, you inserted yourself this way. And I promise you, I did not like all the characters are me to some degree. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They like to, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I just got derailed because I was like, there are certain people who are going to say that this scene is me, this character is me, and no one is based off of one character. And the characters I love the most are the ones that are really dynamic. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. static characters are fine. You know, Great Gatsby, shout out to Great Gatsby, I guess, maybe. I guess, maybe. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there on the I guess, maybe. <laughs> Least favorite book. And I know so many yeah. people that are like, this is the best book ever written. I was like, I'm so happy to hear you say that. Thank you. In common. We, I don't even know how it's possible. But I know people that would metaphorically die on that hill and be like, Great Gatsby is just here. And mm-hmm. I think the intention mm-hmm. is... For sure. Or like a timestamp. Like it has its purpose in the canon. Um, but I, you can't. I can name 10,000 books better. <laughs> yeah. It's like you've read it, which I wouldn't even argue that you need to read it. Like if you're trying to like, it, you know, it is this part of the canon. But you can leave it out. It's okay if you don't get to it. It's it's To me, it was just overall a kind of boring laborious story it I felt like it was so like tedious like trying to get through this thing the preface is beautiful um and I appreciate a good preface I almost put one in but I was like I'm in no place in my life to be that bougie and (laughs) I'm not there yet but I want to be and I aspire to be Um, hold on one second my laptop is dying and I need to plug it in real quick no problem I got my charger too, like just beforehand. I think I'm going to leave that in. Um. <laughs> no problem. I don't know what I did. I was like, wait, let me. Okay, no, my charger's here. I'm good. <laughs> well, if you're doing something weird, I'll take it out. If not, it's staying in there. <laughs> Uh, the Great Gatsby also had a lot of good color symbolism. Like I remember Daisy's yellow dress and the car being yellow, but that's it. That's it. And, um, you know, Demetrius wears yellow shirts. Demetrius is one of my characters. I use color theory a lot in my book. So if you like that about the Great Gatsby, you might like the Tower of Leo. Yeah. And I love, oh, sorry, keep going. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I love, you know, I love color theory and I especially love when things are represented by color. Um, one of my favorite Edgar Allan Poe stories is the mask of the red death. Yes! It was just- <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. So that was like one of the first stories that I read that just really just made me like fall in love with like reading about color and letting color be part of the story and trying to figure out what it meant having this color there. And, you know, it's not, 
quite so obvious in that story as it is in some others. I don't know, depending on how smart you are, maybe. (laughs) But like, it's not, in most cases, putting in color to help tell your story isn't actually difficult to execute. It's still always very nice to see, but it's just like, if that's the only praise that you have for Great Gatsby, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Right. And that is the only praise that I have. <laughs> sorry, everybody. But uh, yeah, sorry, everyone. Like, we're we're team not great Gatsby. We're <laughs> we're team mediocre Gatsby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the preface only Gatsby. Yeah, <laughs> preface only. Oh gosh. So okay, I know you can't like spoil your story I mean obviously you don't want to spoil your story the tower of Theo is the name of her book okay just yes. going to keep reminding you of that um, <laughs> I brought this oh like, yes prepared for it. so this is what my book looks like <laughs> yes say so, okay see that's the cover I was talking about with all the layers and everything interwoven and it looks like okay so is that um red blue yellow so those are your characters colors that you have there mm. yes ma'am Yes, ma'am. That's great. That's, I love that the Theo is upside down. It's just, it, just from the cover, it lets me know, like, shit's going to go sideways in this story. Completely. And my favorite thing about it, so the reason why the Theo is upside down, so, like, right side up, obviously, it looks like a tower, and you see the word tower. And then when you flip it and you see Theo right side up, it's like an abstract skull. So it's like, how do you want to... Oh, yeah. And kind of just going with the theme that like nothing is as it seems from the yeah. So that's hopefully what the, the character or the cover is supposed to portray. And I also wanted it to look different from all the other books. Because I was like, okay, let me look at what gothic, gothic fiction covers look like. And they're very enticing. Like it's my favorite genre. So it's a lot of like uh, the classic fonts with like a foggy something or engraved gold, silver, yeah. black, red. Um, and then I was like, but this isn't going to stand out. So I need to make sure that like, it's weird to some degree. And well, so- I like that you have the primary colors in there, but it still is a very dark, yeah. um, you know, picture overall, but then you have this red, yellow, and blue, just, I, I don't know. I, I think it is going to, I think it is going to stand out. Thank you. Yeah. So the, the cliche there is that I use the primary colors for the main characters. So Demetrius always wears yellow. Leander, the artist, wears blue. And then Theo, who's an artist and like a bunch of other things, uh, wears red. And so even in the book, if you see like something else is blue or something else is red, like it's connected to the characters in different ways. But it's subtle enough that like if you don't care about color theory, you don't need to know it. Like the colors don't matter that much to you if you don't care. It's not like a super important part. It's just like fun fact, Easter eggs. Yeah, it's fun for people who enjoy reading and finding those things. I like trying to and, you know, I admire you so much. So it's like you talk about writing the book, saying that it took you three years almost like it sounds like you're saying it like it's a long time and that's a very short time to get a novel done if you're not already a professional writer who can just write you know like they've published a few books that's how they make their living so they can spend eight hours a day writing you know they're expected to get things out more quickly but you know some people their first novel they're spent they'll spend 10 years sometimes just even trying to self-publish so I think that it's it's 
really, really amazing that, you know, you've already gotten your novel out and you're putting yourself out there. And I know that you're, I know that you're nervous doing it, but it doesn't, but it doesn't show. I only know that you're nervous just because like, I can see some of our similarities. (laughs) And so it's like, I would be putting myself out there like that, but it would also be just so terrifying to have, I'm a very like open person in many aspects of my life. So there's already so much of me that's exposed. So it's really just putting like everything out there. And so I've been working on a couple of not actually I really like writing screenplays and I have a couple that are like mostly done that I kind of just need to polish but it's one of those like yeah yeah I'll I'll have to send one to you yes please 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 please. I need to like finish finish it's kind of one of those things where it's like okay well as soon as I finish this then it's done and now you have to do something about it so I'm like avoiding that for some reason (laughs) It's, ter- I mean, I don't even know where you go with screenplays, but the research, I don't either. the research of self-publishing, like there are a bunch of different guides, a bunch of different formulas that work for different people. So doing this for the first time and doing it on my own, I'm just already giving myself like forgiveness because it's like, you don't know what you're doing. Just yeah. And- no one knows what they're doing. That's, that's the first mistake that we make is assuming that other people know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> They really don't because if they do, it be a step by step thing of what to do. Yeah. So that's definitely. Um, but in terms of being vulnerable in an open book, I'm not. Like I even remember, I had friends in college that were like, "Hey, we actually don't know anything about you." Like three years into the friendship, because I'm just, I'm more of a listener. Like I'm mm-hmm. quiet, and so even people in my life were like, "You wrote a book." Like you, you were out here. Did, the, a lot of people didn't even know I was writing because it's just like, I don't want to. I don't oh, know. I love that. I love that, that, that it was a surprise that you're just like, bam, bet you didn't know I was working on this shit all this time because I was too scared to tell you. But also, it's really cool. <laughs> they were like, oh, this is why you're antisocial. And I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> it was a lot. And I think people don't talk about burnout enough. Like you see on social media, people being like, I need to take a break because I'm burnt out. And obviously I think nowadays people appreciate and respect mental health enough. They're like, yeah, go ahead. But no one really talks about what causes it and how to recover from it. And I burned out so many times. I just came back today from a like almost forced vacation because I burned out last week. Like I was spiraling because it's too much to balance. Like the book is my whole passion and I want to do everything for it, but I have a full-time job, a part-time job, my health, family that I see on the weekend, also trying to maintain a social life, even though that's the last thing like that. <laughs> yeah. Everything. So sorry to all my friends. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> yeah. I'll be back. She'll be back. We'll all be back. Us that are hiding away and trying to work on our projects. We're just yeah trying to get some things done. Okay. We won't feel good about ourselves unless we do. (laughs) Thank you for that PSA. I might just like clip that and post that instead of like, I need a mental break. I'm just going to post you saying that and be like, she gets it. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Use it however you please. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. But um, I just think like, so how old are you? I'm 26. 26. Okay. I thought you were a little bit younger. I'm getting ready to turn 31. Woo! So my thirties, I really am. I'm excited. Right. It's, you should be. Yes. Yes. I don't, I don't understand this whole, like, 
um, oh, it's my, I'm turning 30. Let's have this birthday party. That's looking like a funeral and bye to my youth. I'm like, I mean, I'm like, I'm about to turn 31. So I've had one year in my thirties so far and it's been amazing. And I'm really excited to just, I, I feel like my thirties is going to be really awesome and I'm going to get a lot done and grow in a lot of amazing ways. And I feel like every woman, I mean, any person really, but we, you know, talk about the ladies right now, like any woman, like should be excited for their thirties. And I think should make that their time to just really, really thrive. Like your twenties is like, that's, you know, I mean, you can explore any age, but there's, you know, a lot of exploration there and maybe you do have goals, which you clearly did, which is awesome. But you know, if you don't have so many goals in your twenties, that's okay. But like your thirties is like the time to really just fall into yourself and just be you. So you got a lot of amazing things to look forward to. And I think going even with that, like there's so much pressure to always look a certain way, look super young. And like, even now someone was saying like 25 is too old to be a pop star. Like there was some article, like is Ariana Grande too old because she's like 27 or something. And I'm just like, what are we, what are we doing? And because there's so much information being shared on social media and who uses social media, not like other age groups. So people are like, Oh, I don't want to like get there because then I'm irrelevant or something or other. And it's just like, if it's being fed to you through social media, it's not it. Like it's probably the opposite. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's be excited for whatever age, be grateful that we're turning older and it's not. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that like the human body should not have made it past 25. It, that's when you start breaking down. So like if you make it to 25, everything else is just a bonus. Every other day is a bit, your body is breaking down now. So you're just, you're doing it. Try to do it for as many years as you can. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And yeah, also excited for my thirties. Cause I feel like my twenties was just so confused, like just trying to be like the best person, but then I'm you'll like, be confused in your thirties too. That won't go away. <laughs> won't be that pressure to be like, like yeah. even with the, the book, like, Oh, I don't know the right thing to do. It's like, I'm starting now to be like, there might not be a right thing. And also your intention really matters. So like yeah. you did, that's the, my main takeaway with the book is like, even if it doesn't succeed, I literally did the best I could. Like I, I can't do anything more with it. So whatever yeah. it is, and I feel great, whatever happens to it. Well, and the thing is, is like you, you completed it. Like there's something to be said. So like, you know, obviously I love talking shit about movies <laughs> and I really, really love just getting into them and criticizing them as much as I can, especially like script and stuff like that and how it's written but I still can't like movies that I hate and think are like the worst I can't knock the fact that they did it they made this movie they set out to make a movie they did the work to get it done and they did it so even if it's absolute shit they've done way more than me and they've accomplished something so it's like even if, like you said, if, you know, if no one reads your story, like you're excited that your friend was moved by it, like, and on top of that, like you did it, you accomplished the thing that you wanted to do. And like, and it's, it's your thing. It, there's just so much about like doing something on your own. It's really great to accomplish something with a team and with other people, but yes, having something that's, that's yours, is just like, that's amazing. And to already have that um, at your age is a really big deal. So just 
Hats off to you, madam. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. And it's funny that you said the thing about the team, because the reason why I spiraled last week is because I realized I did everything on my own, but not in the way that's like, congratulations, like you did this. It's like, why are you doing this on your own? Like, why are you putting deadlines? Mm-hmm. Why are you forcing yourself to stay up late at night or wake up early to like do all this if you don't have to? And I would love a team like and that's the the main goal with any of my art or books is like to build that bridge to meet people who are like minded or as curious or whatever. So hopefully the next book, I'll have a team to work with. Um, but I should also say I did somewhat have a team because I had people read the manuscript, give me feedback, even on Instagram. Like I saw which characters were doing the best kind of like who people enjoyed seeing. Um, and I even made their roles like more prominent in the book because I was like, oh, oh I thought awesome. it was going to be like kind of a side character. And it's like my most viewed reel and like everyone, it's their favorite. Um, so it's not that I'm completely alone and everyone's feedback really, really helps. But the right. back end stuff is like the weight is on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I made it heavier because I'm sadistic and I, <laughs> like, I don't know why I did it. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know why either, but I know that I would do the same thing. I would much rather like, I think it's because I've been in so many instances where I have needed help throughout my life. I had a daughter really young whose the father was not reliable. So it's just, I've always, I've just been set back from like other people as far as like where I should be. You know, I couldn't like get school done. I couldn't work as much as I wanted to because I had a kid. I can only work three nights a week. You can only make so much money, you know, when, when you're doing that. And so like, I, I just needed a lot of help for a while. So I, I, I'm happy to take help when I really, really need it, but I don't like needing help. I like doing things on my own. So there's something that's just really, I would much rather like just stress myself and overwork myself and burn myself out than have to go to someone and be like, I need your help with this. I want to go to them and be like, I did this and it's done and it was all me and I did it. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, I I still also enjoy, you know, working with other people. So like I've done um, quite a few things with music. So like I, I sing and I've had the opportunity to get in like a recording studio to do like kind of like background stuff for people and little things like that. And there's just one of my friends who's a producer um, a while back when we used to do stuff together, we would kind of like mess around with songs or whatever, (laughs) just putting something together, sometimes something silly, but just that feeling that you get when you're creating with someone, even if like you're not going to do anything with it, you're just, you're making something with this person, your ideas are coming together into one single thing. There's just something really, really amazing about it. Yeah, it's so special, I think, because as creatives and artists, like the vision is in your head and it's your job to communicate it. But if you can find someone who just gets the vision without you having to communicate it, it's crazy. You're like, wait, what is this? Yeah. Yeah, it's like you don't even have to say it's just like, you know, kind of like where you have those friends that you can just kind of go on like this you get in like this parody with them where you just start playing this character to them and they start playing another character back to you. And then like 10 minutes later, you've gone through this whole spiel of you guys being these characters. And you're like, how do we just like meld into that? Like out of nowhere, you were just like kind of feeling each other and just kept going with it or how you can see like, you know, strangers create music together. Like I, um, 
I went to music camp when I was in high school, not band camp. It wasn't that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was different, but um, they, we were, you know, had a day where we were working on rhythm. And so they had someone come in and do a drum circle, which sounds like really like hippie-ish and everything. And it kind of is, but there's also a lot, you know, there's a lot more to it. And so there's about 80 of us in this room. Yeah. Cause there's, you know, it's a big music camp. So we're all sitting in this circle and everyone has their own percussion instrument. And, you know, the person is directing us to everyone. Well, I mean, we're doing exercises beforehand to get a feel of everything, but then he wanted everyone to do um, their own four count beat, do whatever beat you want, just keep it in four counts and repeat it. And so we're all kind of doing our own thing and he's going around to make sure because like everyone at this camp, for the most part was really good at what they did. Like I was one of the least talented people there. Everyone there was just amazing, but not all of them had rhythm, you know? So the guy's going around to make sure everyone's on beat. And then, you know, when he gets everyone in a good rhythm, he stops half the circle to listen to the other half. And then, you know, we'll do the same thing. And so you're just kind of hearing this and everyone was kind of weird about it in the beginning. Like, even myself, it just seemed kind of awkward. You're like, wait, we're going to do a drum circle and we're all just going to like bang on drums together. And by the end of it, no one is in their chairs. Everyone's standing up. They're somewhere different in the room than they were before. They're just, and like we were leaving and just couldn't, I mean, just this energy and it's really just from you just creating with these people and just connecting with them. And, you know, kind of like you were saying that like, art is a language very much just like writing. It's trying to tell a story. And we were all trying to tell something and express something, whether we knew what it was or not in that moment. And I feel like it's out of body because the more you think about something and overthink it, then you're like, oh, it's not right. But if you kind of just lean into it and there's no other way to like describe it, but it's not about like, okay, my hand goes like this and this and like, it's not mechanical. Right. Yeah. It's still using your body, but it's not focusing on the body as much. And that's my hair doing right now. Sorry. My hair just like won't stay out of my face. No, so many times I was going to be like, by the way, her hair looks amazing. And then she's like in the middle of something. So I can't say it. I swear (laughs) to God. It's so pretty. Well, thanks for saying it looks amazing. I feel like I just like. No, it's like. Sometimes it just won't stay. But it's so thick. There's just so much of it that I just won't. Lucky. Just kind of wrap it up on top of my head. There we go. That's good. It's out of my face now. It's perfect. It's very like shiny and like it looks great. Mine is well, just like, please stay still. Like just don't move. Don't like because my hair has her own minds. She has her own agenda. <laughs> if I don't move, it'll look like this, and that's okay. Your hair is incredible too, though. Like I, I I'm glad look- I don't have curly hair because I could not manage it because I don't even do a very good job managing this. But I think curly hair is just so beautiful. I love like really big, just, oh, I love it. I guess, yeah, this is like, I tried to wet it so that it's like a little bit contained, but it's, you know, she's unapologetic. This is like (laughs) an apologetic thing about me. And I'm just like, can we please relax? You should have come in like just all kinds of poofy. Like this is my like first interview. I can't do that. Although I almost strained <laughs> it. I almost did. And I was like, just be yourself. This whole thing is about being yourself and being vulnerable. So like I just wet it. I just wet it. Yeah. Isn't it fun to just kind of like, you know, like what you just said? It's like this is just about being yourself and being like, okay, look, just 
do it. Just going to jump in and do this thing. There are certain things that I like to do just to see if I can do it, you know, just to like ask myself and then tell myself like, yeah, you can do this or no, you can't. (laughs) That's going to be me in my thirties. Cause I'm not, (laughs) this is for the book. And it's so crazy when it comes to like the book or the art, I'll do something for it. But if this was like a Zoom meeting for work, I'm just going to be my professional self. And like, you're not going to get my personality. Not that I have like the best personality, but I'm very much like (laughs) there's work mode, then there's like Mm -hmm. art mode and then social mode. And I'm definitely most me when it's about the art, which is cool. And I just need to find a way to put that energy everywhere else. And for some reason, I can't. I think it's a defense mechanism or some kind of protection thing. Like, I don't want the people I work with being friends. I don't need that. I do have some yeah. coworkers, but they know who I'm talking about. Like, I don't want everybody friends with me. And it's well, just walls. <laughs> yeah. Bunch of towers. Bunch of towers. Bunch of towers. Yeah. The Tower of Sasha. <laughs> it's actually my autobiography, guys. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We're um, anticipating. And I messed that up. You got it. You We're got it. anticipating its release. Yeah. Wow. Anticipably is a new word. You know what? Um, creative license. Creative license and intention. You can make a any word you want. We got it. We understand it. <laughs> I'm here for it. Anticipably, it's when you're like just waiting for something in a very anticipated manner. Correct. Yeah. She sat by the by the door very anticipably. <laughs> Don't ask me to spell it. But let me define it for you. Yeah, I don't know if it's got a P or a B. I'm not sure. It's just whatever the vibe is. It's not. <laughs> oh, gosh. I love when I try to say a word and it just won't. Like, sometimes I wonder, like, do I have, like, a minor speech impediment that just, like, never got addressed? Because every now and then I'll just, like, this and this. And I'm, like, I have. Um, hello, brain. What are you doing? There are, like six to 10 words that if I don't consciously think about it, I will say wrong. Like for the longest time, I would say understand instead of understand. Don't know why. Still can't really say instrument because instrument sounds right to me. And like, I remember my ex always made fun of me because like, if there was a word I didn't know, I would just sound it out in like every way possible and still like not figure out what it is like if it's a foreign word to me and it's in English like it would be an American word and I'd be like I don't know I don't know man I'm doing this phonetically and it's wrong yeah I write I don't speak okay and that's oh that's the other thing I'm so nervous about because like each sentence is constructed over three years so it's not just like this came naturally to me Mm. I can't have any of the dialogues these characters are having but I have to like sell the book and then I'm like what if I say something corny what if I'm too basic in my rhetoric I don't know like I don't it doesn't match it because it's a very traditional type of narrative like I love the mm-hmm. old literature 19th century gothic traditional is where I'm at and I didn't want it to sound contemporary but I'm obviously contemporary because here I am 21st yeah. <laughs> living the dream um so I don't know how to match the tone of my book that was something I was worried about but then I'm also like it is what it is Yeah. Well, and you know, like you said, there's always like pieces of you in your writing. So there's, there's so much of you that's going to be in this book that is in this book. Um, so at any point when I'll give you some unsolicited advice with all my expertise, 
please. which is none. Um, <laughs> but just, you know, just let yourself come out. And then the parts of you from the book, those will come together because that's more like people can find all kinds of stories about all kinds of things. It's very hard these days to tell an extremely original story. It can still happen and we still get original stories and original ideas, but for something that's extremely original, it's, it's rare. So most of it is just, you know, something that's kind of already been done or has been done, or it's really similar to something that's been done. So what is, what can make those things great and not like everything else is the personality that that person who created it brings into it. So I don't think you need to worry so much about like, oh, it's a more traditional narrative. So maybe I should approach it more traditionally. It's like, it's a traditional narrative that it works and is written for this current time and is written from your perspective. So boom, it's you. And I need to hear those kinds of things because I am my worst enemy. And I put so much pressure Mm -hmm. on myself when I don't Mm -hmm. need to like, even people are always like, yeah, you like, you finished a book and I'm just like, but I didn't sell it yet. But no one bought it yet. (laughs) Like I'll celebrate when I can, or I'll be like, Oh, that was the first book. So people bought it because like, they're nice to me. Like the second book will really, Oh gosh, that's one for me too. They're just doing this to be nice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I always say that I'm like, please, I need criticism. Do not tell me you like the book, like tell me where I can. No. Yeah. If, if you tell me, if all you say is that was good, I'm going to think that you didn't give a shit or maybe you didn't even read it. hundred percent because, and that's actually bringing me peace because even my favorite books, there are parts I don't like. And so yeah. like, no such thing as a perfect book. Um, and I thank God there's no such thing as the perfect book. <laughs> it's just, I know I did my best and I just keep telling myself that like you did it. You're fine. Yeah. Well, and it just, again, I haven't even read the book and I just can tell that so much went into it just from what you put on display and what you show of it. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's really, really awesome that, that you've done this. So I think just when you're having those moments of doubt, And you're, you're feeling that like, you know, and this is, it's a writer's curse. Um, You could actually look up, you know, other writers, like famous writers talking about them having writer's block or having their struggles and everything. It's a writer's curse to just kind of loathe yourself. Like, I don't know why it's so common among writers to really like hate their work. Um, I think it was, it might've been Neil Gaiman. Um, even said that like he went back and read one of his old books and it's like a really good book and hated it and people still love it. So, you know, obviously he's a different person from the person that wrote that book. So, you know, so much has changed, but it's just what helps me a lot when I'm lacking in my confidence is, is seeing these people that have already done so much that I admire. Well, you know, not. I don't know them. I don't admire them as people because I, I don't know if I should. Um, but <laughs> I always say that like about anyone, like even the weekend, I'm like, I love the weekend. Not as a person. I don't know him as a person. Don't need to. Yeah. Know. I love his work. Yeah. I, I'm a very oh. much kill your heroes type of person. Yes. You know I mean? like, <laughs> yes. Yes. 100%. yes. It's just like, I, I admire their work and the work that they've put into what they've done. But hearing them talk about having their struggles, it's just like, okay, this isn't, 
just me. And also you, you can kind of play with it and be like, see, I am a writer because I'm going through all these things they're going through. Yes. Yes. And then it also goes, this is just my own self doubt. I also, I don't know if like it's a tourist thing, whatever it is, but then I'm like, there is that, that you see yourself in another author, either something they say, and you're just like, I experienced the same thing. Maybe that means I'm doing something right. But because I chose the self-publishing route, I'm like, am I doing this because I don't feel like I'm good enough because a traditional publisher wouldn't. I'm doing it because I want the control over like the design mm-hmm. and the marketing. Um, but there are so many people who self-publish just to make money or they publish something bad or how many celebrities have books and they didn't write it. And then it's just like, so am I doing it the easy way? Am I partaking in something that's like not good for literature? Because now, you know, there are so many 21st century books that are just not written well because anybody can write. And it's like, I don't know. I have that pressure too, for no reason. That's just like, what camp am I joining? But also you're not joining a camp. You're just doing this for your soul. Yeah. And that's one thing I try to focus on is like, so what other people are doing and there's really not, there's really not a formula for success. There isn't, there's things that you can do to make you more likely to have success, but ultimately it all comes down to luck for the most part. You need to put in the work, but luck is going to be the ultimate factor there. So what other people are doing, they're really just kind of the way I look at it is their guidelines. You know, I can reference this and reference what this person is doing if I need to, but really what I want to do is do it my way. Am I doing it the right way? Am I doing it the wrong way? I don't know. What I'm concerned about is, am I doing it my way? Like Frank Sinatra on that bitch, like I did it my way, you know, like that's, I hear that in my head, like so much is like, I mean, not that might not be like when you actually look at the lyrics of that song, <laughs> the best reference, but but it's it's also something I need to remind myself. Of. The self doubt is crazy. I don't know where this mm-hmm. habit started. I don't like her. I'm trying so hard to, <laughs> like her, but it's definitely definitely there. Yeah. So one of the um the screenplays I'm working on, you said you're talking about your self doubt and said I don't like her. Um, I actually haven't started like typing this one yet. I just kind of have like notes for it. Um, but it's like, basically, so the name of it is overshadow and it's basically this anxiety monster in this story. That's following this girl around like everywhere that she's going and is overshadowing her. Oh, you get it? Overshadow. So clever. Um, (laughs) but like everything that she's doing and it really is it's it's her it's her fears it's her worries it's her doubts manifesting as this grotesque creature that's actually just like this kind of gross version of herself really this monstrous version of herself that is constantly antagonizing her and keeping her from you know doing the things that she wants to do so whenever I get that one done I'm going to have to send that one to you because I think that I think that yeah. you'll enjoy it. I think anyone with self-doubt or any kind of anxiety would be able to like relate to it. And I guess, I mean, I don't have this conscious awareness of it, but it was probably partially inspired by the Babadook. Have you seen that movie? No. Sorry. It's like, it's kind of like this boogeyman movie, but it's a, it's supposed to be representative of depression and grief. Okay. 
Okay. So there's like, there's a boogeyman in it. So like, as I was writing, you know, my notes for it and doing like the outline, I was kind of like, I wonder if this is like, I wonder if I got this from the Babadook. Cause you can't really say for sure, like what ideas like are totally your own. You've been so influenced yeah, by things like a direct, that's one of the lines in my book. Like one of the characters is assigned to like paint something. And she's just like, but how do I know anything is like of my own imagination? Like what's my, imagination? wait, was that, um, Katerina? Yes, ma'am. You have, you put a picture up of that with that quote, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's something that I freak out. It was actually a direct, like, I remember when I finished grad school and I had like the best GPA, I was so proud of myself. And I really thought I was going to go into academia for philosophy. And I realized if anyone brought up any topic, any topic at all, I could be like, okay, Plato would say this, Kant would say this. <laughs> my own opinion because I was so worried about like studying the text and making sure I really understood that I actually lost myself in the graduate program like I had no idea I was like well is Plato right like am I an idealist am I a rationalist am I an empiricist am I a consequentialist am I an intentionalist and it's just like you're Sasha yeah and that's what matters and that's all so this book has also helped me figure out like who I am what I stand for not to be dramatic but that's a real fear. It's just like, am I doing something that I like? Has this, is this the only idea that's been presented to me and I'm conditioned to like it? Um, how far can I take this idea? What's my own voice? All those questions. Don't let, I'm going to spiral <laughs> too many questions. But <laughs> I, I feel that to my core where it's like, is this me or is this who I want to be? Or is this not me at all? And I've just like really studied this. And so it's a part of me in that way. I kind of always have that worry. So like um, a few years ago, I got really into learning about neuroscience. Like I've always been into psychology and a little bit of college that I did go to when I had time to, um, <laughs> I, I was going to get into that, but you know, I've been studying it on my own as much as you can on your own. That doesn't qualify you for anything doing your own research in that area. So I'm not like, I'm not trying to say like, oh, I've studied psychology on my own. So I'm basically a psychologist. I'm just really, really into it. Yeah. Um, and I also really like, you know, philosophy too. But like with neuroscience, you learn so much about, you know, obviously the brain and how things work together and just how so much of, of what you do is not really like you doing it it's just your brain having all these connections and responses oh. so I, I have this constant like I'm always is this am I feeling this way like what part of me is is me like I don't um like I'm a very sciencey person like even I think you just said something about like you thought it was like a tourist thing or something which yeah. I have like I have plenty of friends that, you know, do the astrology and the signs. Like I have no issue with it. I'm never going to tell someone like, Hey, you shouldn't do that. But I just don't, I don't really like ascribe to that kind of stuff because for me, everything is like, I need to have like science, 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 which might be kind of strange since, you know, I'm such a creative. No, that that's a combination. That's a, the people who are too, and myself included, I am such an idealist that I like learned this about myself. I don't like science. Like I, the idea <laughs> that inside of us, our organs right now are touching and there's blood. I can pass out if I think of like, I like to think of us as <laughs> light inside of all. I'm really like, I'm at that stage. 
I think that's I think that's really cool though. I I love that like no. <laughs> I love that everyone has everyone has their own specific view of the world and like even the people that like our views are very similar. We feel like, wow, that person's right there with me. Like eventually you're going to get to something where, you know, you differ on. And it's just because everyone has their own unique perspective. And I just love that. And that's one of the things that I love about talking to other people, you know, no matter how similar they are to me or how different they are for me, it's just like, this person is letting me in on their worldview, you know, by talking to someone else, you get to see the world through a different lens. And, and it's so refreshing because I feel like nowadays it's just about finding people who think exactly <sighs> the way that you and everybody else is an enemy. Like it's very, yeah. Very yeah. Like there are some people that I know, like, and I, I figured it would be okay <laughs> with you, but if I had said like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm not really into astrology, like do your thing like keep doing it. You can talk to me all about it. I just don't believe it. They would get upset with me and like, tell me that it was based on, you know, my sign. Oh, that's, that is something a Scorpio would say. And like, you Wait, get, like actually, yeah. <laughs> that's usually, yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but like, no, I, like I hear, I know about it. I'm familiar with it. If people want to talk to me about it, like it's, it's it's cool. Like I'm I'm fine with it. I think it's a very interesting thing. I just like you know I, I came out of I used to be a very religious person. I was very Christian, and now I'm now I'm not. So it's just like I really just separated myself from that stuff. But it's not that I it's not that I feel like I can't <laughs> don't even talk to me about it or like oh, I don't like believe like yeah. I don't know. Like why, why is my belief in my worldview? Why would it be more important than, than yours? Like, I don't, it's just my opinion and just my worldview. So it's like, everyone's is just as valuable in that aspect. Uh, Circling back to Christine, my best friend, she's like a devout Christian. Like out of everyone, I I don't know anyone more religious than her. And I'm not at all. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't know what I am because I was raised Jewish and Russian Orthodox. So it like kind of canceled for me, but I believe it. <laughs> That's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Uh, shout out to my parents. I love my parents. Genuinely. <laughs> I have like no text that I go to or no tradition that I like naturally gravitate to. Um, but Christina is still my best friend. And like mm-hmm. religion, even if we disagree on certain things, it's never gotten to the point where I'm just like, ew, or that she was even like, ew. Yeah. No. Unless the person starts being like hateful, that's like yeah. a completely different thing. There are plenty of people who are religious without being hateful. I know plenty of hateful Christians and I know plenty of very kind, loving Christians, both that like, yeah. you know, I've been both of those Christians. before. There you go. So it's just, I, I just think it's really cool that like, you know, I would personally, I would like to see a world without religion based on my opinion, which is just, again, I can't say that that's right. Just because I feel that way doesn't mean like that's the way things should be. I think that's a problem that a lot of people have with their opinions these days is they think that just because it's their opinion, then it must be right. Or it must be a thing. And And it's like, Plato said that opinions are the most poisonous because you don't need knowledge. You don't need facts. You don't need accountability. You can just have them. 
And it, like he that. said that it's poisonous because you treat it as if it's like its own entity and its own truth. And you don't treat it as an opinion. Opinions mm-hmm. are harmless if you're like, this is an opinion. But it's when you put it at the forefront and you don't want to listen to knowledge or you don't care about what the person in front of you has to say. Then it's like, what is this opinion doing except dividing you? Like, it's not bringing you to any higher. Like, my religion is, it's like weird. And not to even get into philosophy, but if religion is a way for- We can get into it. I mean, your book has a lot to do with philosophy, right? The Tower of Theo? Yeah, the Tower of Theo. Your book, The Tower of Theo. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, my, if there's a way, if there's a system that works for you, that helps you become a better person- it has to be good. And the problem is, is that religion has just been weaponized. And so it's not religion's fault, just like any other problem in the world, it's the person's fault. So mm-hmm. I think religion is inherently neutral. The only thing is like, if it's divine, for me, religion is somewhat of a human construct, which is fine. Like, I don't see that as a bad thing, but it's just like, you know, divinity has to do with like the infinite and the universal. And we don't understand those types of contexts. We have like language and reason and it's all finite, which is fine. Like it's not, we understand science through finite reason and you know, all that stuff. It's just acknowledging its limitations, but still not using it as like, Oh, well then if I can't know anything, then like I'm an atheist or something. It's like, no, use the tools you have to be a better person, whatever helps you be a better person. I love that. Let's do that. Let's go there. Yeah. And if and if you like the labels and you want the labels, that's fine, but you don't need them. Like I like saying that I'm an atheist because for so long I was so proudly a Christian that for me it's kind of like a rejection of that thing in kind of like a personal way. Yeah. But if I didn't have that, I wouldn't feel a need to like like I don't really like saying that I'm any type of like certain political leaning or like I can't even you know, my daughter will ask me like, what's your favorite type of dessert? And I'm like, I don't know. Depends on the day. <laughs> You're on brand. You're like, you know what? Don't <laughs> me. I'm not going to say mint chocolate chip because it's a <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, this week it might be brownies, but next week I might not even be feeling the brownies that. at all. Like I just, <laughs> I can't tell you like who I mean, that sounds a little bit extreme. I don't mean it to that extent, but I can't tell you who I'm going to be like from one day to the next. That's the thing with me. The idea that, and this is no shade to anybody at all. It just personally blows my mind that there are people who finish school, whatever that means for you, and then never learn anything new again. Don't, and you don't have to read books. I'm not saying like someone mm-hmm. needs to test you, but right. it's just like, I, I mean, am, you should, but you don't have to. <laughs> I mean, Tower of Theo, November 3rd, but (laughs) it just like, I, but it's also maybe my own self-doubt and critiquing myself. It's like, I can always do better and I want to do better. And it just Mm -hmm. shocks me that people think that they're all done like at a a really young age. And it's like, no, but you could do better. And isn't that like enticing? Isn't that appealing? Like there's so, there is so much to learn and there's something for everybody. And it's just like, you're really sitting here with your opinions on your couch. And then you go to the grocery store and yell at people about your opinions that you made on the couch. And then you mm-hmm. go back to your couch with your opinions. And that's just, yeah. and, and I, yep. I, and then it just yeah. keeps going like that. And, and then that, that cognitive, huh? 
it makes me genuinely sad because it's just yeah. like I again going back to the idealist thing like I truly believe that everybody has I don't want to say a purpose because then it's just like this weird predeterminism fate type thing I know what you mean though because yeah I'm I'm the same way a, a purpose like yeah, there's like something you can do like you can evolve and it's like yeah. you not even know what that looks like doesn't that spark some kind of a curiosity in you like Yes. Isn't that so exciting that like, you don't know who you're going to be in five years yeah. and you, you get to figure it out. That's so awesome. I would so much rather communicate and befriend someone who has no idea who they are. And there's like figuring themselves out as opposed to like, yeah, I know everything. <laughs> Ask me anything. I can play devil's advocate. I, people who play devil's advocate can like exit stage left is how I feel very strongly. Yeah. <laughs> don't be closed-minded don't think that you know everything and don't weaponize religion <laughs> don't do that. yeah don't yes do that. So, you know what sasha good words to live by brought to you by sasha uh <laughs> <laughs> sasha <laughs> we love to see it wisdom from sasha sasha is going to be the next great philosopher no. so look hey. if, if you're you really love philosophy. So I know you've read a lot of different philosophers. Do you ever have moments? Because some of the things that I read, especially because I didn't get much into philosophy until later on in life, because as the type of Christian that I was raised as, I don't mean to say all Christians are like this because they're not, but the type of Christian I was raised as was that your only knowledge should come from the Bible. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, philosophy, science, that was out. Like, don't even mess with that. So I didn't really get into it until like a, an older age, but you know, just some of the things, even from some of these amazing philosophers are just like, yeah, that, that seemed kind of like a given to me. Like you needed to write a whole chapter about this. People need this like explained and you kind of have to like almost remind yourself that kind of like what we were talking about with the kill your heroes thing. And I'm sure that you already, you know, do this. It's just like, you kind of have to remind yourself, wait, this was just another dude. You know, he's, he said some great things, but I don't need to be intimidated by these words or by his knowledge because he, he was just some other guy really who had these thoughts and was able to put them on paper. And I guess what I'm, and I'm just another dude and I have thoughts and I'm going to put them on paper too. And maybe people will like them. <laughs> That's like what I love so much about Western philosophy. And I want to specifically say Western because Eastern is a completely different discipline and I yeah. don't look up to like talk on it. Western, I feel pretty sure. comfortable talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but what I love so much about it is it's just a conversation that's been happening for centuries. Like no one has gotten it right because if someone got it right, there wouldn't be people like speaking after it and or that person. And this turns people off from philosophy because they're just like, well, it's just a bunch of opinions. And the reason that's wrong is because philosophy literally means a love of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Like you're seeking yeah. something virtuous, something bigger than yourself, something that you can't one plus one. And the analytic philosophers are going to be like, actually, there's math in philosophy. And to them, I say, <laughs> no. But uh, the idea that like you're not seeking knowledge and there's room, there's the sciences and we love the sciences and we respect it. But questions like what is beauty? What is the right thing to do? What is love? What is the meaning of life? It 
gets answered in different ways based on the historical context. And it's just mm-hmm. so fascinating to see how one question changes throughout time. But then some things, like I would say, uh, something Socrates said, like would stick throughout all of it, all of time. Yeah. Or everything's like a footnote to Plato or something like that. And it's just amazing to see these little glimpses of like, okay, this 21st century philosopher said that, but they got that from this person. Yeah. It's almost like a, a puzzle or a mystery. And you're like, oh, I'm like connecting the dots. And it's so much fun. Ugh. Yeah. And it's like this thing built into this. And yeah. this person had this idea because this person had this idea. And yeah. would they have had that idea if this person hadn't provoked that thought? And yeah, it's it's just really interesting to to think about. And like, yeah. I like I like looking at philosophy kind of like what I'd said before is like I when I look at what other successful people are doing as as guidelines. I don't need to follow all of it. I don't need to accept all of it as like this is how it is or this is how it needs to be, but here's some great guidelines and also it's going to make me think about something in a way I hadn't thought about it before. Like there's a lot of um you know, so you talk about like being like philosophy being in like, you know, art and, and writing and all kinds of stuff and how all of those things kind of work together. And like, I, as much as I love science, like I would even, I would say that you could throw that in there. A hundred percent science and math. The best paintings are so mathematically planned and proportion wise, like you can't take science out of like great art. Yeah. And there's just so much that like they've, They've both inspired each other over the years. There's this this book that I read a while back, and I can't remember the name of it. I think it was called The Art of Wonder, and it was about science during um, romanticism and just how, like, the art of the time was affecting the scientific discovery at the time and, and vice versa and how, like, you know, Mary Shelley getting the idea for Frankenstein and how it's, like you know, brought all these, not just other stories, but medical experiments and like, you know, it's further things. And then, you know, the, the Herschel's like looking at the stars, having been inspired by others and then inspiring others on top of that. And like, you know, like also I just want to throw in there. It's like, you hear a lot about like William Herschel, but you never hear about Catherine Herschel, his wife who did like almost just as much as him. And she was building telescopes and putting the mirrors together and doing calculations. Like ladies were really big in science then too. So shout out to Catherine Herschel. Shout like. out to Catherine. <laughs> Catherine and Mary Shelley. Shout out to both of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think like there's so much, to me, there's so much beauty and wonder in, in science. Also, it doesn't always have to be so, um, you know, calculated, like, yeah. you know, I, I brought up like the neuroscience thing and was talking about how there's all these connections in your brain. And uh, it almost seemed like you didn't want me to say this, but like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't, I'm not necessarily convinced that we have free will. I, 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 there's a long discussion that you can have about that. That's a big mix of like philosophy and science and talking about like, you know, the fact that like, you wanted spaghetti for dinner. It's like, do you want spaghetti for dinner because you consciously made the decision to have that desire? Or were these things just firing off in your brain 
that led you to then want spaghetti. So it's like how much at that point is like, you know, <laughs> where do you find, there's so much you could get into that with like, it, it's a scientific exploration, but that you can't just explore it with science. Like you need that, that wonder, you need the discussion. Like I, I listened to like this 12 hour lecture, I mean, over a period of time, of course, but um, just talking about free will versus determinism. And then the people that fall in between and just, just keep going back between like, here's what a scientist has researched and here's what this philosopher says. Yes. I love those types of events. Yeah. Yeah, It's just, it's awesome. Actually I did that on, it was something I downloaded from audible. Oh, if you want, I think it was like the great courses. Yeah. I can send it to you. Listen, I can talk about well and predeterminism. Like don't open that door for me. (laughs) We, we can go there, but I've never, like, I remember specifically I was talking to someone and he seemed nice. Like he was cool. He was fine. And then we got to this topic and he was just like so upset with me because he's very much like a rationalist science. He said math is a universal language. And I was like, define universal. And he got upset with me. And it's just like, oh, yes, that's that's a philosopher question. Right there. Be annoying, but I'm just like, what do you mean? By you? No, I love it. I love it. Yeah, because. Well, and also you're getting people to like, not that you're doing it intentionally, but when you're asking them things, you're getting them to realize like, I haven't fully thought about what I'm saying. And the best thing, because like Socrates is my guy and that's how he practiced philosophy. He never wrote anything down. Everything we know about Socrates, Plato wrote, but Mm -hmm. he would go around Athens and ask the experts what things were. Like he would go up to a general and be like, what is justice? Or to a politician and be like, what is rhetoric? What is persuasion? And the more he asked questions, all the dialogues end the same with there's no answer to it because the experts don't know. And like, it really creates that, like there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, my approach is always just ask questions and it's not devil's advocate because devil's advocate is like, I want to just destroy your argument. And that is right. never my intention. I'm trying to learn like, okay, what do you actually mean by universal? Because if we have different definitions, then we're not going to be seeing eye to eye. But if we do see the same, then I'm like, okay, I might disagree, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. People get really upset sometimes when, when you ask them to clarify what they mean, because like, yeah. Words have specific definitions, you know, that are documented that we can reference, but they also have meanings outside of those definitions that are commonly used. So I might understand. Yeah. And they change and they, it might mean something different to you based on how you were brought up or how you've heard that word used than yeah. it does to me. And I could, I could be thinking that you're talking about a completely different concept So we're sitting here having this, this conversation, not seeing eye to eye because we're not talking about the same thing because we didn't even define that. And so it's like, when I try to define that from the beginning, people like, why don't you ask me this? I'm just trying to make sure we're on the same page. (laughs) If you knew what you were saying, you would have a response. And so Mm -hmm. as soon as someone's like, why are you asking? Cause you don't know. And I, I, I love when people catch me in those moments where it's like, where I'm, I'm telling them something like, well, what? what does that mean? And I'm like, huh, those are fun moments. Cause I'm just like, wait, now I have to explore this. And it's either you were wrong. So you learn something new or you're just like, no, I know what I'm saying. And like, I'm still here. And it's, I love that you said that I, okay. That's one thing that I do with my daughter is like, if, if you're wrong about something, that's fine. Cause now you just learn something new. 
that's cool. Like I don't learning's awesome, man. It's yeah. so underrated. But yeah. it's also scary because it's like who's teaching you? Like that's what I I had to deconstruct so much from our school. We don't let's not talk about our school system because I'll just <laughs> our public school system but there's so much like when people say learning is really unlearning a lot of it is that like that's why you have to keep an open mind and people with closed minds I'm like allergic to those people because there's no yeah. reason to have a closed mind how do you on your like x amount of years on earth know so much to be that confident in yourself mm-hmm. and we as humans too as as conscious humans these these primates that are walking around and driving cars and building things <laughs> um it's like we're babies essentially like yeah the earth is millions and millions of years old the universe much older than that and so we've had all these things evolving over this long period of time that that we as humans we really cannot we really cannot fathom like how much a million years is especially because like you know we tend to look at our brain looks at things in in units and sections so it's one million it's one billion and when we're thinking about those things and saying it in those words it doesn't seem that much different we know in our minds like obviously one billion is more than one million but how much more is insane so it's like this this earth has been around for so long and we're just a little blip and then the consciousness Girl. is an even smaller blip and yeah. so we're really just test driving this thing right and then to bring but we're also like all a part of it at the same mm-hmm. time like we're not yeah. outside of it we're not just like here for mm-hmm. a moment and gone it's like we're really yeah Sure. Yeah, it looks like how we're still, I mean, animals that were walking this earth, you know, millions of years ago are still a part of, I'll take, you know, time. our lives. Yeah. Hey, they're, they're fueling our vehicles. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they shouldn't be, I know. but they are. Yeah. No, uh, they're definitely, I mean, I, it makes me really sad that the humanities departments are like less funded and there are less people studying it because it's not as practical. But as you said, it's like everything is so overlapped and intertwined mm-hmm. that the humanities with the sciences together is what brings a holistic point of view. There's no way that you're going to know everything, not even mm-hmm. close, not even a smidget. So to best equip yourself, if you're someone who loves learning and is curious, you need to have different facets and interests because like, even like when I'm teaching philosophy, I say like, okay, you're not going to be philosophers. You don't love philosophy. Fine. But it's going to teach you how to see different perspectives, communicate Mm -hmm. your ideas, read almost in a different language because each time period they wrote so differently. Like in the medieval times, the Christian philosophy, everything was written to God. Like Aquinas Mm -hmm. was like, Hey God, I have this question. Thank you for giving me this answer. That's his whole work. He wrote like 3,000 pages with that type of approach. And then you get to like the rationalist or whatever with Descartes and then Kant. And they're very formal and almost dry um, because they're like exploring maybe not as much Descartes, but like Kant is so dry and so technical. I'll never forget. He has one chapter in the Critique of Pure Reason called Nothing. So Kant in the Critique of Pure Reason wrote on everything. He was like, let me see everything that reason can understand and wrote on it. Like the guy did his thing for sure. Kudos to him. Sure. Um, Misogynist, sexist, you know, because it's like 
yeah, but <laughs> for the writing. Um, yeah, he might have been a little full of himself too, but he was wild. But it's fun to teach. Um, but he yeah. has a chapter called Nothing, and he has seven definitions of different types of nothing, like quantified, like zero as nothing, spatially mm -hmm. nothing, conceptually nothing, feeling nothing, space nothing, time like. And I'm like, you took a concept that should be no thing and made like seven things of it. And it's, yeah. like, so many of the philosophers were also mathematicians, physicists, biologists, and somewhere we lost that. And now it's like philosophers have opinions and it's like the scientists do like the hardcore stuff. And it's like, there's a, we need to like have dinner. Like we need to all yeah. together. <laughs> like we're like halfway there, even though we'll never really be there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's kind of cool too. Like as, as scary as it is to know that like, you're never going to have all of the answers no. that you want. And it's, it's actually really, really fascinating. I get like, you know, obviously like the, the finality of your life, the fact that you're going to die is like, it can be a very sad thing, but it's also like, you know, you're, you're, doing your part in this circle of life, yes. the people before you have come and gone. Now you will come and go and people will come after you. And I get so excited to think about what the people who come after us, so I'm going to be dead and know nothing about these people. What are they going to discover? I'll never know, but it's so exciting for me to just like to wonder. And it's some people, I feel like they need the answers in order to like have that fulfillment. And I think like you can find a lot of fulfillment just in wondering and searching. And the people who need to have the last word or they feel like they do have the answers and they themselves discovered it, it's just like, why? Why are you doing this to yourself? Yeah. Like, type of like answers are actual questions. Like if you have a question and you get an answer, it shouldn't satisfy you. You should be like, wait, but what about then? Like, you know, which is also why I love philosophy because it's literally just a rabbit hole and you're like, how yeah. do you can I go without spiraling and dying? Because there are times where I have to go up <laughs> a little bit and then I can go back down. Yeah. And you have to, you know, like I'll bring up the neuroscience thing again, where you're like, how much of, of these decisions that I'm making are actually me? Where do I even, how do I even define me like myself and separate that from my physical self? Do I believe in that duality? Like, I don't like, it's just trying to figure all that out. And hundred percent. The only conference I ever did was on moral psychopathy. So I blended psych and philosophy. And my argument was that if you want to create an ethical theory, you need to construct it around the most inherently like neurologically atypical people. Because if you create mm -hmm. rules and there are people who neurologically do not gravitate, like don't have a moral compass to be like, these are rules that I need to abide by, all your ethical theories don't matter. And so mm -hmm. I was just like, how do we approach? But I was also like, and I'm still into like all the serial killer documentaries. Like I'm very much, let me learn everything I can to protect myself out here. Yeah. <laughs> but it's wild because it's just like, and it goes back to what you're saying. How much are you just your brain? And I don't love that question, but it's important to explore the questions you don't like, because it's like, you're engaging with functioning psychopaths, with serial killers that you don't know. You yeah. is a show on Netflix that's popular. So, you know, it's like, it's relevant in some yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, I, I love you. We actually binged the third season this past weekend, me and my boyfriend. And I really like 
I like the first season of that show. There's something about like the aesthetics of it. That I just like, I'll watch it again and again. I just like the vibes. Yeah. Second season wasn't as good. Third season got better, but um, wow. I can't think of the actor's name now, but the guy that plays Joe. Yeah. What? Penn Badgley. That's his name. Um, the guy that plays Joe, he was talking about how like, you know, when the first season came out and people were basically kind of like, praising joe and saying they wanted a guy like joe and he's like um no please don't admire my character <laughs> like there were literally girls at ted bundy's case throwing themselves at him being like oh my god he's so hot and yes. it's like he's on there are still people in love with with dead ted bundy like just but i will say so this is me outing myself have you seen <laughs> hannibal um, the the show like on Amazon with Mads Mikkelsen. No, because I like the movies just grossed me out. This show, I do not recommend it for anyone watching. This is not me being like watch it. It's my favorite show of all time because it is such. But it destroyed my brain like in such a way. I became numb to so many things because you're rooting for a cannibal and you're like oh, fascinated okay. with a cannibal. But the thing with Hannibal is that he's artsy. So when he like kills someone, he makes it like such a display. Yeah. And poetic. Yeah. So that it's like different and, but it, it's, and I don't want to spoil it in case don't watch it though. Cause it gets so crazy. And I was at a point where I realized like, if you put me in a room and you were like, write The most grotesque, violent, artsy murder you could ever think of. It wouldn't even come close to any of the episodes. Like it's so wild and then i'm thinking like the writers have to be psychopaths i don't even know if that's like politically correct they have to be on some <laughs> kind of level the writers directors producers actors stage directors wardrobe everyone is on the same page because at the cinematography the script the mads mickelson is my favorite actor because he can act with like the corner of his mouth and like his eyes sparkle on demand it's insane <laughs> but it's like you have to realize you're obsessed with a cannibal mm-hmm. and it's like I don't and it took it really like my ex at the time had to be like you need to stop watching this because someone was getting like beheaded and I was eating popcorn and I was like this is not but I, I'm past that that was like years years, years. yeah well and it's also like you know if, if you're looking like when I look at that stuff now I'm like oh wow look at the special effects that they did I bet you know the guys working on that that put that that had to make that blood mixture made this flesh they probably had a really good time with it so it's like a lot of the times when I'm looking at those things and not all the time because sometimes they do it so well that I'm just like that's too much for me but like like anything that shows like a close-up of someone getting like their face smashed in can't do it I know that it's fake I can't but if like I have to watch a fake like open heart surgery or someone like pulling their intestines out. I'm like, oh, wow, I wonder how they did that. I bet they used like this and this and whatever. It's just, but once the face comes in, then I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's- what I started watching Grey's Anatomy, which like I love, but like the surgery, I would have to just like turn away and, <laughs> the next thing. and I was like, you were watching Hannibal. Like everything I watched now was like, you watched Hannibal though. And yeah. Like, something about him it's just and it's the context too like so like real surgery no mm -mm, I don't want to see that at all I don't I don't really want to see a person like actually get cut open the only reason that I can keep my eyes on it is because I know that it's fake like if I were seeing that for real like I don't even like seeing people like 
getting hurt, like experiencing any kind of pain. I just feel like probably almost too much. Like sometimes I feel like there's a little too, I have too much, um, empathy in some areas. Like, you know, I'm not, not saying like I'm an empath or anything, just like I, you know, I, I can feel really badly for people. Yeah. Like when they're hurt and I'm like, am I letting this get to me too much? No. And there's a real conversation going on right now about whether or not assault needs to be shown on screen. Like how much does it really, you know, move a plot or how much can it just be inferred or said, like, why do we have to watch it? What is Um, the screenplay that I'm going to send you? It opens with an assault, but it's off screen because you can portray that without showing it. I don't know why, like, I just recorded, um, and I think I put out like last week or something, my Watchmen episode that I was trying to do for such a long time that ended up being an hour and a half long. Um, (laughs) but there's this, there's a scene in the comic and I talk about this in the episode. Um, so if listener, if you've listened to that and heard this again, oh, well, you'll be okay. Um, (laughs) but there's an assault that happens in there and, or well, it's attempted. And in the comic, it's it's very brief and subtle. It lets you know what's happening, but there's more of the guy like actually physically hurting the woman than there is of him trying to yeah. make moves on her because the um, author and illustrator just didn't want to put that like full on display. Yeah. And then in the movie, um, in Zack Snyder's version of it, it it's very on display, and he's making it sensual and like you know there's another part in the movie and I I, did, I also talked about this in the episode but um there's another part in the movie where the character that had um attempted to assault her they showed him having a picture of her on his nightstand and that was not in the comic and I'm just like that's really messed up of you to try to insinuate that he had like some kind of like care or love for the, and even if he if he did, you, you don't want. That's not how you show it. That's not the proper way to show it. So don't try to present that idea to me. Like that's gross. That like you're showing this assault, and then you're saying, oh, but look how much he cared about her. Like that's why he did it. Don't even. Don't even. Don't even. No. And yeah, no, that's not. I'm trying to find a way to like say it without. No, I don't even know if I can. But yeah, just don't do it. Just, there's no there's no reason to do it. And I think what freaks me out the most is that when it's in a movie, like again, same thing with Hannibal, there's so much thought and intention and time given to this. And people, so many different people involved. People, and then you're watching it and then you have to edit it and then you show it to people and then they watch it. And it's just like, that's like going... Full circle back to art having an intention is like, why? And it's money. We live in a capitalist society. So there's so much money that you put into seeing this scene. And it's not like every single thing has to be like Shakespeare and great and no, 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 But it's like, what are we doing in this Mm -hmm. specific moment? How necessary is it? And I'm trying to think of an example where it's like, we need it. It was just so part of the story. And I can't, I really can't think of, I think it's very rare that you actually need um, explicit violence and gore. Like sometimes you do need to know that it's going on. And like, 
there is something about like, if people haven't witnessed it themselves, something about seeing the severity of it can kind of change their perspective, but that's going to be such a small percentage of people to try to say that that's your reason for portraying it. It's like, if you talk about a sexual assault, most people have a general idea of somewhere on that broad spectrum of what that could look like, what it might be. If you, if you're talking about someone getting their head chopped off, we all kind of have a general idea. I don't need to see it explicitly. If you show me on screen an ax coming up and then coming down and I hear a right. And it's black or something and like, right. I, I have now figured out that this person has gotten their head cut off and you didn't. So yeah, it's like, what, what was the, the purpose for you to put this in here? What, what were you trying to achieve? Do you ever like see some movies or something weird in TV shows, especially something really strange with a woman involved where you're like, that's someone's fetish and they're just putting it out here on full display thinking that they're hiding this. I, yeah. 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 I also work in academia and I see that too. Like certain professors work in a certain field because they have like the humanities is going to have like different types of subjects or countries of whatever focus. And it's like, you're teaching this because you have, and it's like, it don't even, Yeah. Even something as simple as like, I think the movie's called Something's Gotta Give with Jack Nicholson and mm-hmm. and Keaton, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack Nicholson first dates her daughter. This isn't a spoiler either, but she's like 18 and he's 60. And that feels weird for me. But like back then it's like, and then he falls in love with the mom because he, she gets him more. And I'm like, I wonder why maybe because he's on a 50 year age gap. Yeah, maybe because her frontal lobe has been developed for some time now. <laughs> and it's just, and, but they show like lovemaking scenes between like this 18 year old girl and Jack Nicholson, who's, you know, great actor or whatever. But I'm also like, and then people are like, well, it was, you know, times and like, this is real times. life. I love that. I hate times. the thing. It's like, okay, Go. so, cool. Go watch some women in the 60s and 70s talking about, you know, their liberation movements and the way they felt and and then come to me about time because like 50 years ago, they were talking about this. Whose time was it? Yeah. That's my question. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, not that we need to get into like slavery, (laughs) but, you know, when people, well, you know, it was more common at the time. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure the slaves at the time knew that they didn't like it. And yeah, I, people knew <laughs> it's just and that's the other thing going back to like learning like let's say that you're really ignorant and like you just you love this movie and it portrays a certain group of people in a bad way there's a way for you to be like i acknowledge that i shouldn't like this movie or i like mm-hmm. it but it's problematic or something but to just be like this is the best movie and you can't tell me otherwise why like it's just a movie it's just the yeah. book it's just the painting so many I'm sure like painters were you know not kosher in certain ways and it's just like that's what it is how many artists like musical artists in this industry are just not you know people that should be put on pedestals and it's like but that's a different conversation should you separate the art from the artist um it's there's a just tricky like, conversation too yeah it's fun it's fun to have um but I still go back to the thing that like knowledge only hurt or only helps you so like don't be so turned off and think that you really know it you know yeah it's it's funny because I'm sure you know you're familiar with the Dunning-Kruger effect 
you know, the more, you know, the Dunning Kruger effect, it's like, it's like the more knowledge you have, the more you think you don't know because you know, you don't know. And then the less that, you know, the more you think, you know, yeah, it's why some of the most ignorant people. And I I mean, ignorant, not as an insult, like really like the meaning of ignorant, like ignorant people are so confident because they don't know any better. Like ignorance really is bliss. You know, sometimes I wonder if I might be happier if I didn't know all these things that I know that lead me into these like existential crises, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's the, so Socrates teaches this, like his whole life was basically this idea of learned ignorance. The more he learned, the more he realized he didn't know. And like, we have such a negative connotation to ignorance when ultimately we're all really ignorant. Like we we just, we're not God point blank period. So you're really ignorant. Everybody watching this hella ignorant. You're dumb. You're so dumb. But I am too. It's okay. (laughs) Together. We're all friends. But that's, (laughs) it's just, and everyone learns different things at different rates, at different speeds, at different times. You can learn something every single year and then it only clicks with you at a certain time. Like it's so fun and fascinating and to just revel in your ignorance is not is not the way to do it yeah yeah revel in your ignorance if you're doing it to not be ignorant (laughs) yes exactly exactly if you're just like i'm gonna learn something new yeah Yeah. look how ignorant i am teach me something like (laughs) that's the vibe that's the vibe but yeah i just i i used to like really be afraid of, of being wrong. And it kept me from speaking up so much, like, not just like, you know, giving an answer in class, but also just speaking my mind about certain things that like really try to like instill in my daughter, like it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to disagree with yourself five days later. Like all of that is okay. Like I'll go back sometimes. And like, even as I'm, I go back and listen to my podcast episodes before you know, I post it to make sure everything's okay, which is weird, like listening to yourself like three different times. But then I'll also go back every so often and just listen to, I'll pick like a random episode to listen to just to like, see if there's anything I want to critique and be like, okay, I wish I would have done this differently. So the next time I do an episode like this, I'm going to, you know, do this or whatever. But like, I'll find myself sometimes like even slightly disagreeing with something I had just said like months ago. And I'm like, ah, I don't really entirely feel that way, but it's like, it's, it's okay. It's like you, you know, have like, have strong values and principles and hold on to those, but like your strong opinions, you have to hold on to very loosely. It's just yeah. have them, but don't have that grasp. <laughs> it's wild because I remember the way I got into philosophy. I mean, I had an incredible instructor, like my first philosophy professor is everything. Shout out Professor Davies too. They're the reason I'm here. He's like the reason I'm passionate about philosophy. But my first like actual intro to philosophy class, I remember the professor asked me something about the reading and I answered it. And then he's like, and how does that make you feel? And my mind was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, like, how do you feel about this? And I was thinking in that moment, I was like, oh my God, my whole life is just like, I need the right answer. Like, I just need to, he asked the comprehension question. I comprehended the reading. 
what do you mean? Like, I, what if I don't feel the right thing? And it was at that moment that I was like, there is so much I haven't explored because my, I've just been trained to take exams. And like my whole identity was my GPA, getting the right answer, being right, being humble and quiet. And like, I've always loved to learn, but my approach was like, I need to have the right answer. And Mm -hmm. it was, so it took, I'm still trying to deconstruct that because I'm even trying to like be perceived correctly or I'm like, focus on my brand and how people see me. And it's like, there isn't a right all the time. And it's important to know how you feel about certain things. And I should have taken that moment more seriously, but I kind of just panicked. And I was like, yeah, I, I agree. And like, I didn't, but I was just like, I don't know what to say. And I felt weird saying, I don't know. Now I'm totally okay with it. Be like, I have no yeah. idea. I and that's so much better than coming up with a response. It because is. Like, or like shallow. If you don't know, just say that. Learned ignorance. You realize yeah. it. And that's a perfectly fine response. And it's it's beneficial in in multiple ways. It's it's you know, it's beneficial even in like selfish ways because when you're kind of like, I guess, humbling yourself like that by saying, like, I don't know this or I'm okay with like taking a hit to my pride by not knowing this stuff that, that all of you guys know, like people appreciate that, you know, that, that you're willing to just be like, Oh, I don't, I don't know this. And then also if they can teach you something, they really love having that opportunity. Well, now I have an opportunity to teach somebody something and they really enjoy that. So it's like, you're cheating, you know, both yourself and that person by making up an answer when you don't know. I think that's like ideally how I would love it. But I think also because I'm so stuck in academia, like both of my jobs are in academia. I find when you say you don't know something, people look down on you. They're like, oh, so you're stupid. Because they're also the mindset, like I know everything. So oh, really? Ew. So listen, I don't like that. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> my employer doesn't watch this, but I'm trying to like. But anyway, <laughs> fine. Uh, but it, it is like, it really depends Actually, it doesn't depend who you're talking to. If you don't know something, like just say you don't know it. And if they, however they respond is a, you know, reflection of themselves. Like if they're just like, oh, then you're stupid. You're not worth my time. I'm not going to talk to you or I'm going to talk down to you or you're clearly whatever, like just walk away in your learned ignorance. And then if it interests you, Google it. YouTube University. Yeah. I mean, because- yeah, and you know what? And did you want to learn from that person anyway? Heck no. Heck no. You do not. You do not. So many people yeah. with PhDs are really dumb. Yeah. Fine saying. Yeah. I've, I've met quite a, quite a few that I'm kind of like, I, you know, you did the work. Maybe your parents donated some money. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. But um, I don't want to discount your experience and what you've learned. But I don't think I'll be taking any more advice from you. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not going to like sit and list. That's how I know that I'm fully confident in myself as like an independent artist. Cause I can be like this person and that person, but I'm not there yet. Um, but the list <laughs> is long of people like the most, and especially being in a philosophy, like I wanted to get a PhD in ethics. There wasn't an ethicist that I wanted to work with because I'm just like, you need to practice what you preach. And like the people at the top schools, not ethical not great. And it's not even like we're all human. We make mistakes. It's just like, you really think you're it and you can do no wrong and you do awful things, but I'm going to stop myself there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So just say you don't know when you don't know, because there are going to be so many times you don't know. Do you have a hard time? You said something made me think of this. Um, and I'll need to start 
wrapping up soon. My boyfriend just came in kind of like, hey, coming back out. <laughs> um, and I haven't even been like paying attention to the time. It's almost been two hours. I love it. I'm sorry. I, I know. Help, it's exciting. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And, and we'll, we'll definitely do it again. But like, so, um, but I wanted to ask you, um, do you find yourself really trying to monitor balancing? So I have, and it's probably an irrational fear, but I have this fear of like becoming a narcissist. I never want to be a narcissist, but I also like, I want to have a lot of confidence in myself and in my abilities and be proud of what I can do and want to put that on display, but I'm always trying to be so mindful of like when I'm having those moments where I'm very confident and maybe like talking myself up a little bit where I'm just trying to like taper myself back down. Like, okay, Kelly, get you, get yourself back on the ground a little bit. And it's like, I have a hard time deciding even whether sometimes that's a good thing that I do it or a bad thing. Do you ever like find yourself in that limbo? I think well, so I think also, and not to be this person, but like society conditions women to be like, am I too much? When sometimes you're like really fine. Like you're, you could even yeah. be more. So like, yeah, you're I right about that. <laughs> you're asking yourself, like, am I being narcissistic? It's a good, you should always self-reflect, but most likely if you're asking that you're probably not because a narcissist is like, this is a fact. Like I'm just stating facts. About and that's her. what brings me comfort. So I'm like, well, I probably wouldn't be thinking yeah. this if I were. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm at the opposite side of the spectrum where I like my what I think led to my depression and collapse like after grad school was that I wanted to be liked so badly like for because I was bullied a lot in high school and middle school and elementary school and so in college I was just like I would morph into whoever my friend wanted me to be mm-hmm. which is another reason I didn't share a lot about myself because I'm like what if you don't like the fact that I like love books and I stopped reading I stopped drawing it was a whole thing but I falsely equated compassion and like selflessness like I'll just do whatever you need and I, I became submissive in that way mm-hmm. and that's also why yeah. philosophy had such a grasp on me because I was like oh I want to be like friends with Socrates and play like I want them to like me so I have to like know all their stuff and I just <laughs> completely lost myself. So I think now I almost have to like push myself not to be narcissistic, but to be like, this is who I am. And if you mm-hmm. don't like it, exit stage left respectfully. And it's fine. Like I'll also, you know, if I don't like you and it's okay, like I'm not doing things anymore to get people to like me because I had like awful people in my life too. And I'm just like, yeah, like, and I'll, I mean, part of me is like, Hey, you were a victim to some things, but I'm also like, you allowed these people, you kept them, you enabled them because for some reason you prioritize their attention. Yeah. But how much of that was you and how much of that was connections in your brain and your past experiences that have let. (laughs) And that's the thing. I, I really don't know. And those questions could send me spiraling. And that's Mm -hmm. why now I really try to take things day by day. Like I'm not even going to sit here and be like, I'm a good person because like I did really awful things before and I might do awful things, hopefully like unintentionally in the future. Cause I'm trying to be more conscious, but like, I, yeah, I'm just self-reflecting on any, everything. Is this too much? Am I being myself? Am I being submissive? And it's exhausting. Yeah. But it's worse to create a bad habit of not self-reflecting and lose yourself into something that you're not. 
Yeah. Self-reflection is, it is really, it is really scary and it can be really like tiresome too. It's, it's weird how like exhausting it can be to think about yourself. <laughs> yeah, especially like writing this book, there are two scenes in particular and I don't think I'll ever say which scenes, but they're like very intimately me. And like, they're also the ones the least edited because they came so naturally to me that I think I made like a comma change in one of them. And the oh, rest that's of the awesome. first draft is just, it's there. And it's like, damn, I looked at it and I was like, you wrote that. You yeah. Wrote that. Isn't it great when you're, you're moved by your own work? It's, I, oh. especially those ideas that like, I get this a lot with, with my writing. So maybe you can relate, but sometimes you feel like you feel like you can't even take credit for the idea because of the way it just flows to you. It just came to you. And you're like, I mean, yeah, sure. I I came up with this, but also like this just kind of came out of me. I feel like I can't even present it to you as mine. Like, (laughs) like retweet, Make that my only tweet on my Twitter. You can have a Twitter. That's exactly because people who read the manuscript were like, "How did you come up with this scene?" And I'm like, "It's it had to have. I don't have it. I don't have it." And that's why I love the story so much because I feel like it was some kind of a gift to help me reconnect with myself. And I feel bad taking the credit for it, but I really like not to be narcissistic or brag, but like I love this story so so much and the layers and like it's helped me love myself most which is the biggest reason of why the sales don't matter as much whether this becomes a movie on hbo doesn't matter as much because i feel like i can also go back to this like i said I tower of theo on hbo yeah please or something but also like throwing that out there (laughs) we live in a capitalist society so we have capitalist (laughs) dreams yeah But because I'm not religious and like books have always been my friends and my go-to and like my happy place, the fact that I have my own book now to like reread something and be like, this is how you feel. Like every time you've edited it over three years, this has stayed the same. Explore this more. I'm excited to read it like years from now and be like, oh, this is not how I feel. Or like if I ever have kids and they read it, like that's going to be super magical to me. So the book itself is just pure magic in my own life. And I hope it's magic to someone else's life too, maybe. But it 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 will be. Like work like that, writing especially, where the person who made it is that in love with their with their work and not only that you know because anyone can love their own work but just have like um I think there's a difference between loving your own work and appreciating your own work yeah um so when you appreciate your own work and really care about it and care about the substance and the value that it's going to bring to other people most often it will bring value to other people because back to purpose and intention the intention that you brought along with it is is going to come through um so i just i think it's gonna be great i really wanted to um i really wanted to get the manuscript i think i mentioned this to you that like when you had made the post i wanted to like be like yes send me one but then i'm like no you have these three books that you've barely opened so far that you haven't even gotten to that no. you bought, you have these 10 things on Audible you haven't even opened. And like, you're going to try to tell this person that you can devote time to reading their book and giving them critique on it. Like, no. So I just felt like it would have been like, 
I certainly wouldn't have liked it if someone was like, yeah, I'll read your manuscript and then didn't actually put in the time they needed. I appreciate you saying that, but you also don't have to say it because it is a lot of work. Like it's, it's 90,000 words. So who's going to even read it? I don't know. Oh, that's awesome. That's incredible. That's, that's a good, that's a good novel. It's something. It's 26 chapters. It's all right. Um, but I do appreciate you saying that because there were people and it is, I mean, I wouldn't say frustrating, but it was also interesting to see like at what point they stopped because it's like clearly they got to a certain point and then life always gets in the way and I don't blame the story and they don't blame the story either. But sure. it, it's all knowledge. Again, it's all feedback and it's all like there are going to be people who buy it and hate it. Leave a one star review. Don't finish it. Burn it. Maybe. Who knows? Because that's like the power of a story. Like it's not yours anymore. Right. So. Yeah. And I think like, you know, so many creators, especially like, you know, that we've had such a big rise in like YouTubers and TikTokers and Instagrammers who really function off of likes. Yeah. They really don't understand and can't handle when someone doesn't like their stuff and they take it so personally. It's like you have to remember there are so many things that you don't like for no personal reasons whatsoever. And some things you don't even have a reason for not liking it. You just don't. And that's okay. Like yeah. people cannot like your shit. It, it's okay for them to not like your shit. And that's, that's fine. And if you're going to put something out there, you have to be okay with it. Like how you just said, like some people are going to leave a one-star review. Like it, it's just going to happen. It's like, if I'm going to look at a new restaurant and I'm checking out their reviews and there's not one bad review on there. They're all five stars. I'm like, this is fake. 100%. 100%. It's the same. Like, I love your book. And it's like, there's not one other comment. Then you, you don't, you mean you love my book, but Correct. you changed this or you didn't yeah. understand this. So like I had, um, like that same screenplay that I'm going to, um, send to you. I just got to work on a couple more things before I send it, especially since you've written a book. Now I really want it to be polished. I no, send no, it to you. no, don't have that. Do not have that mindset. It's but I a, do. I, I know. know. I, I know. Don't have that mindset, but I do. <laughs> no, because I'll, when, at least when you send it to me, I'm looking for just like the story. Like I'm not going to yeah. be like, don't hear it. This change this word. It'll be like, I just want to hear the story. Like that's yeah. Yeah. It is a good, I mean, I've gotten a lot of good like feedback on it, but I had like this long, like half hour discussion with my mom about it. Cause there was a lot of things that she wanted to change. And I was trying to tell her that like, you know, mom, you're the only person that like I've sent this to that is, that is telling me this, like everyone else liked this and like this and this, and my intention for it was this and this. And she was kind of like apologizing to me at the end. And I'm like, you don't have to apologize. I loved this whole thing. Like you telling me what you thought and then me explaining to you my reasons, whether you like my reasons yeah. or not, or agree with them. It's like, I, I just love that you were that interested in my story to be able to have a discussion with me about it. Yeah. And my mom, that like part her, right there. yeah, my mom's Russian. And so like reading English, she can read English, but it's slower. And so like my book's the first book that she's reading in English. So even if she's like not critiquing it, the fact that she's just like, yeah, I just want to engage with it is like, Moms are cool. You know, like some moms are just like, thank you, mom. Moms are, moms are the best. Go moms. There's a few of you moms out there, you know, that, that aren't doing what you need to do. But for the most part, moms are really amazing. Yeah. 
Absolutely. In any kind of way, not like if you birth somebody, like a mom is a mom, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think that, oh gosh, the, the birthing gatekeepers, we won't get into that, but I definitely need to wrap this up, but, um, we're going to need to do another episode together. We should just like talk. Like I'm, yeah. I just want to like be friends also. <laughs> like we yeah. friends. This is great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We can have conversations that aren't recorded for the internet. Too. <laughs> <laughs> cool. 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 Yeah. But um. But- yeah. I'll definitely. Like. Okay. Let's talk about your book a little bit more. Okay. Before we wrap this up, so give us okay. give us the rundown when it's coming out, when it can be ordered, where we can find it, all that so- fun stuff. I don't know when this episode comes out, but November. I don't either. Soon, really soon though. (laughs) Okay. So November 3rd, it'll be available on Amazon for pre-order. And then if everything goes well, it should be available. Definitely paperback um, and hopefully an ebook as well, because some people prefer that format. Um, And then it'll be released January 3rd. So I want it to be like the very first thing of the next year. And it's cool because I did the book cover reveal October 3rd, pre-order November 3rd, and January 3rd is the release. Um, And the book is separate or it's divided into three parts. There's three main characters. So I just hope if you want to learn more about yourself and you like moral ambiguity and thrillers, psychological thrillers, color theory, symbolism, I think this is the book. For you and I hope the characters are dynamic enough that you see yourself in some and maybe all in different parts of it and I would love to hear everybody's thoughts on it even if you hate it please tell me why because that's still a bridge that's still like I wrote something that in you upset you to that degree I would love to know why um, and also if you're thinking about writing or creating in any way do it just it's I can't put into words as an author can't put into words how <laughs> great it really feels like I could really just sit and cry when I actually think about like this thing exists and yeah. it's a one of one type of moment and yeah and I'm cheering you if you're a creative if you're a writer I'm cheering you on you have someone supportive a hundred percent we need more people who actually love what they do and want to put ideas out there so you already have a fan it's me uh, <laughs> And if you like more ambiguity and philosophical thriller type of books, The Tower of Theo. The Tower of Theo. Hold on, hold on. Let's see that cover again. Tower of Theo. Flip it upside down. Give it the flip. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. And thank you so much for letting me be on this podcast. Like it's every millennial's dream to be on a podcast. <laughs> so you made my dreams come true. Well, thanks for coming. I, again, I love that that you just asked to come on. I'm, I've been too nervous. I, know. I was literally like, "Hey, this is audacious. Can we please talk?" No, I think I think it's great. I think it's great that you're putting yourself out there like that. It's awesome. I only so. feel comfortable because you did it. Like it's only because you put yourself out there, and I was like, I really relate to what you're saying, how you're saying it. You're hilarious. I are just- you for real? I got like I genuinely wanted to connect with you and I put that in my message like even if we don't do a podcast can we just yeah like, that's right you did yeah because it's like it's really really refreshing to see authenticity and so I'm really grateful that we connected and I love this episode I'm gonna watch it back when I'm having a bad day and be like this was a really cool moment a one of one my first podcast so yeah yeah I've actually I've watched um the one that I did with Nate from on the rocks shout out to Nate from on the rocks <laughs> The one we did, I ended up going back and watching it. I actually like 
I enjoyed yeah like watching it it was some something about watching myself express myself I don't know it's, yeah. it's interesting it's weird but yeah I think I think you're gonna you're gonna enjoy watching it so hope so um, I'm not critical of my <laughs> but oh it's been a pleasure genuinely well thanks for coming on Sasha can't wait to have you again one more time, The Tower of Theo, pre-order November 3rd. It's going to be out January 3rd. There's the cover again. Thanks, Sasha. And till next time. Thank Bye, you. friends. Bye, friends.